0: focus we have today, this time, on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great gatherer. He is gathering for God a people from every nation, every racial group, every cultural group, every generation unto the Lord. That's what the church is, the gathered community unto Christ. But it has to be the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who joins us to Christ, and therefore the Holy Spirit who joins us together. Now, of all the many things that I could emphasize today, I want to emphasize one aspect of the life and the work of the Holy Spirit, and that is His life-giving capacity. The Holy Spirit brings life. The world's system is winding down. Even nature itself is winding down. We're told that eventually even the sun will, will burn itself out and whatever will happen, cosmologists are guessing at it. But it doesn't take... uh, an astrophysicist to, to tell you that the world is in a state of decay. But that is not something that God has subjected the world to without hope. There is coming a time when the spirit of regeneration will bring life to nature itself and everything in it. And do you know what? The people of God are key Players in that program. Life has already entered the physically dead body of Jesus and resurrected Jesus as the first fruits of a new creation. And in that resurrection, God has given a promise to us all that we likewise shall be raised. If the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He shall bring life to your mortal bodies and he will transform you along with all of creation. So this is a, 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 you know, a big news story. And this is what is controlling the events of the world. Don't think that your life is going down, 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 down and there is no coming up. Don't think that even the universe is grinding down, 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 and there is no coming back from there. God, who created the world, has spoken a new creation order into being, and we're part of that. Let's see how it affects our lives personally. Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, that's the decay I was talking about. Although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Something is working. The law of sin and death amongst those who are not renewed by the Spirit and the law of righteousness and life in those who have been renewed by the Spirit. Verse 11, which I just quoted earlier. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Brief word of prayer. Father, impart to us, we pray, through the words of Scripture, through the presence of your Holy Spirit, life, we speak life to one another and into our hearts, in Jesus' name. Now, we all know that it's the Holy Spirit who gives us new birth into the kingdom of God. And right on the outset, if you, if you are a believer, if you have repented, put your trust in Christ, and received new life, then there are certain things which are true about you that nobody can alter. These are permanent facts that God has uh, brought you into, and here's a description of you. You are in a new domain. Paul puts it like this, he said, you're not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. You'll have to follow his argument, exactly what he's talking about specifically, but let's say this. He's saying, you are not dominated by what used to control you before. You have been taken out of that realm and brought into a new domain, a new sphere. That is the realm of the Holy Spirit. We are spiritual beings. We live in the Spirit. And that, of course, means not just a new domain, but a new dominion. We are now not under the dominion of the things that used to bind us and keep us back and And bring our lives down and down, we are now under the influence, we are under the dominion, we are under the control of a new spirit. And this spirit is the spirit of life, the spirit of joy, the spirit of peace, the spirit of healing, the spirit of reconciliation, the spirit of holiness and the spirit of grace. Thank God, thank God. So we're not in the flesh, but we are in the Spirit. Therefore, the call upon our lives is to walk according to the Spirit. And another way of putting this in this scripture passage, it describes, uh, as we shall see in a moment, being led by the Spirit. So Romans 8 verse four, we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Pause for a moment and just look at the relationship between the leading of the Spirit and your identity as sons of God. Now, the Bible word for sons actually is a word that includes both men and women. So if we want to make that clear, we simply explain that you are sons and daughters of God. And that's your identity. And it comes up as about, about by your new birth, but you have a birthright. Because God has made you his children, sons and daughters, not only do you call him father, and you do so by the Holy Spirit, who calls out on our behalf and gives us the ability to speak Aramaic, Abba Father, that's all it is, it's just the Holy Spirit loves Aramaic. Abba Father, Abba Father, which is kind of a familiar term, Daddy, Daddy, we call God our Father using the familial uh, family term, Daddy. He is our Father, and because He's our Father, we have a birthright, it's a privilege. It's not an entitlement, it's a privilege, it's a gift. And what is that gift? It's the gift of being led and directed by the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I think that describing believers as those who are led by the Holy Spirit is something so profound, so radical, so different from all forms of religion, even Old Testament religion. Because in those days, uh, the the religious life or uh, the life of a believer was very much led by rules and regulations, prescriptions, laws and so on. And those descriptions were useful for a time. But when the Spirit comes, we are no longer bound by the external codes of practice, which would be prescribing everything about what we ate, what time we prayed, and and all the way through the whole of life. But God has taken all that and fulfilled it in Christ, and in place of all that, God has given us His Spirit. So now we live by the Spirit. We have been set free from the external regulations and the code of religious law, Old Testament law in our case, and all of that that God wants from us, he's placed into our hearts and given us the Holy Spirit. So now somebody who is truly led by the Spirit will never be in any doubt about what they should do, what pleases God, because the Spirit of God is showing them and revealing them. I'll put it this way. I've got to emphasize two things, but I'll put it this way first of all. It is obeying the impulses of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not right to obey any impulse you have, but... When the Holy Spirit gives you an impulse, it rises from within. It'll be an impulse, a desire to pray. Now, you don't just wait till the Holy Spirit gives you that desire. You turn desire into discipline and discipline into desire. But that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Or the Holy Spirit will give you a sense of God's presence. that you don't always walk around with a very heavy conscious conscious sense of the presence of God. He's always there. But there are times when the Holy Spirit manifests you the presence of God. And and whenever that happens, I know the Holy Spirit is up to something. I learned this very early on in my Christian life. Uh, I received the gift of tongues shortly after I was born again. And uh, praying in tongues was, from that time to this, a very special way of communicating with God. And not every believer has the the gift of tongues, but every believer has the gift of the Holy Spirit. so, So nobody's disadvantaged. But there were times when there was a sense of God's presence. And I would turn immediately to pray, even as a very young believer when I knew very little of Scripture. And I would pray and seek the face of God. And always something remarkable would happen. I would have a remarkable meeting, an opportunity to share Christ with somebody. uh, Or or there would be uh, other events that would be very clear to me that God was leading me in certain directions. Now, that's very well and good. Hold that, take that, keep it. Don't let anybody pull that away from you. However, there's something else you've got to grab equally with the other hand. And that is the Scripture the Word of God. Following the impulses of the Spirit according to the Word of God. So a lot of people, even some of my friends who don't yet know Jesus, follow very easily this idea of spiritual impulse. Some of them are very sensitive to the spiritual realm, but they've not yet been introduced to the Holy Spirit. So some of the spirits that they are sensing and are aware of are not the Holy Spirit. And we have to help them discern what's the difference. And without the Word of God, I think it's very hard to tell the difference. For example, the Bible says, this is how we know the spirit that is from God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that denies that is not from God. So there are truths, the Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth. There are truths that you must master and lay hold of because these truths are the things that will help you discern and help you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Some people uh, are a bit like this, and I hope I'm not exaggerating, but I have met at least some who are like this. Uh, uh, you're there with the Bible. They say, oh, no, oh, no I, I want to listen to God. So they put the, close their Bibles and say, Hila mashila mashila, uh, let's have a rubber dinghy, or whatever else they say, and, and, uh, and expecting God to speak directly. Actually, the Scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit And the New Testament is a record of the leadings of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament is not a new law. It's not like the Ten Commandments thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. The New Testament is the Holy Spirit inspiring instructions that will help you and guide you in every area of life. Now, then, you don't just go to those instructions in a dry way. You do this in connection with the Spirit. In fact, I want to tell you, I heard this somewhere. I think it was Scott who preached it, uh, who quoted it in a sermon that the, the Bible is the only book that must be read and can only be understood in the presence of the author. I put it this way never read the Bible on your own. Always invite the Holy Spirit as you read the scriptures. And you will find, following the direction of the Spirit, according to the Word of God, the Word of God made alive to your heart, that is what true freedom and living, according to the Spirit, is all about. So, being led by the Spirit. One prayer. We'll do it. Are you ready? Holy Spirit, take over. (laughs) And you pray that and you mean it. You're in for a heaven of a time, I can tell you. Come Holy Spirit. The invocation of the Spirit has a long and noble history in the liturgies of the church. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? But I'm doing that deliberately to show you that this is not some kind of newfangled 21st century Pentecostal thing. Believers throughout all history have acknowledged that they need to call upon the Holy Spirit Uh, for preaching, for performance of any spiritual activity, for praying, for discipleship, for devotion, for service. We need the Holy Spirit. And here is reality check number one. Do you live in the open recognition of your absolute dependence on the Holy Spirit? Do you believe what Jesus said to his disciples and therefore to us? Without me, you can do nothing. Or as Paul puts it in a little more uh, fuller expression, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when we say Holy Spirit take over, we're saying come Holy Spirit into every part of me, into my mind, So that my thoughts will be spirit-filled and spirit-directed. So that as well as information, I might receive revelation and spiritual understanding. This is a great prayer. Paul prays, or teaches the Ephesians to pray, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart be opened, that you may know, experience, experience your calling, experience Jesus, to know Jesus better. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will do that and help you if you call him to help you. Your emotions. Now, spirits directed emotions, it is a great answer to many of our emotional problems and difficulties. Now, I know all about counseling. I know all about CBT. I I know a lot about many of those other uh, technologies that are used in counseling rooms, and I'm not against that. But I want to tell you, at the end of the day, the way to have your emotions flow much more in a, in a direction that glorifies God and is a blessing to you, is to allow the Holy Spirit to take control of your emotions. Let, I better explain what I mean, about, mean by that a little bit more deeply because you may get the wrong impression. All our emotions, although the whole range of emotions is about five different uh, types of emotions, let, let me just talk about three clusters of emotions, fear, anxiety, sadness, depression, uh, um, uh, uh, and hopelessness and despair. Um, you, you, you put, put those, those, those together. And emotions that we experience in the first instance are not to be ignored. All right? So I, 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 if you're feeling sad or if you're feeling low, or if you feel as if, you know, there's some anxiety working in you in in some kind of way. Fear, anxiety, low, or any of those experiences. Don't suppress those emotions. Don't say, oh, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm not allowed to be sad. Well, even Jesus wept, well, at least once, all right? No, what you do is say, Holy Spirit, I'm experiencing this now. Help me express these emotions like anger and frustration. Express these in the right way. And you will find that in most instances, these emotions are are God-given. They're they're like like the little lights on the dashboard of a car. They signify something. And so it's not about pushing those emotions to one side. It's about saying, Lord, I'm frustrated right now and I'm feeling angry about something. I'm feeling sad about something. I bring this emotion to you. I talk to you about it and I ask you to help me direct these emotions in a way that honors you and glorifies you. I'll give you a clue. So you've got this emotion, anger and frustration, and you know what that emotion wants to make you do? It wants to make you rise up and go for it and tear something apart. And God help you if you are the one who is in the way. Now, that emotion is a high release of energy that you can attack the problem, not the person. Use that energy directed to solve the problem. That's just a, this isn't, this isn't a counseling session. I'm just going to sh- just to show you how there, there lies a potential ahead for you and me that our emotions can be spirit-controlled and spirit-directed. Mind your emotions and your Will. Mm. Now this is very interesting. What I'm talking about mainly here is, is not the Holy Spirit controlling you from outside so that he makes you do something. We always need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking more about the Holy Spirit penetrating so deeply in your heart that he begins to shape the motivational direction of your life. So that ultimately, you will be enabled by the Spirit to make the right choices. And, you know, if you know anything about human personality, our desires drive us to make choices to satisfy those desires. And it's just clear that we have desires still in us, sad to say, but they're still there, that are opposite to what God wants for us. And at that time, when we're struggling between a decision and and there's something we want to do and it's really, really attractive to us, and we really want to do it, it's really going to make us feel good. And we just say, oh, Holy Spirit, help me. And the Holy Spirit at that moment, if you give him space, will intervene and will work on the inside of you to remind you, oh, yes, That choice is open to you, but actually it's not the right choice. And he can then help shape your thinking and your desires so that you say, I am willing to choose the direction set by the Holy Spirit, not by the desires of my own flesh. Come Holy Spirit in every part of me. Now, what this means also is learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listening to God. Relationship is so much about communication. And true communication is two way. Learning how to discern the Holy Spirit so that when you are talking to God, you're also listening. It's a conversation. I often say to people who spend long times in prayer, I say, Well, what did he say? What you mean? Well, you've been praying for two hours. What did he say? I don't know what you mean. You mean you've been talking to God for two hours and he said nothing? Were you listening? Now, I don't want to make this sound like some kind of hyper-mystical thing. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time. And as you, as you develop in maturity, you, 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 you can really recognize the voice of the Spirit when he speaks. Just as you will recognize the voice of your best friend, unless your friend is at office and he has a telephone voice, you call the office and they reply, uh, uh, and you say, oh, I'm sorry, I want to speak to such and such. Well, that is me, but you've got your, oh, you've got your work voice on. All right, you can be fooled sometimes, but usually you recognize the distinctive voice of those that you know well. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit's voice can become recognizable and distinctive. So long as you don't move from that and say, well, move away His Holiness the Pope, I am now the next infallible person on the planet. God speaks to me directly and I am the voice of God and I know that what I say is the truth that, you know, well, I, I, I'm sure you, you, you can see that, that that's just not how it works. There's only one infallible word, and that is Scripture. So everything that you hear, uh, don't take it to the point where you've just had, had another Apostle Paul revelation to be pinned into your Bible. Be humble about that. Recognize that when God speaks to us directly, it is not in the same way as he speaks verbally in scripture to us. But people who recognize that God's word is infallible in scripture sometimes say, therefore, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak today. Or if he does, it is only in word for word quotations from scripture. There's a relationship here. Don't forget the Holy Spirit's a person. And the Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures isn't going to bypass the scriptures for sure. But he'll come alongside you and he speaks directly and shares with you and helps you and helps shape your thinking and shape your heart. And if you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, you will find you'll be discerning his voice. A Great place to start is by listening to the Spirit as you're reading the word, reading it in the presence of the author, understanding and doing the word of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't understand this without the Spirit, and you certainly can't do it without the Holy Spirit helping you. So you ask the Holy Spirit to come into every part of you, learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit as he speaks to you in every part of your life. And this is what makes it all so amazing. God today, tonight, has something to say to you Into your heart, about every area of your life, in your relationships, He's speaking to you. He's leading you and guiding you. In your marriage, what questions do you have? What is God wanting to say to you about your marriage, about your relationship with your husband, your wife, your family, your friendships, your extended family? God has something to show you about your work. Are you curious? Are you curious? And I'm not just saying this to say, well, yes, I know I want a word from God because I want a new job or I want a pay rise. No, it's not just about those crucial decisions. It includes that. But it's about how he wants to use you in your place of work. And when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not only will you know more, more frequently what to say and, what, and also what not to say, you will also learn when to say it and when not to say it, how to say it. So you need this ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit in every part of your life. It's obvious that we today would say that we need the Holy Spirit to say something to us about our worship and how we worship. Worship with the Spirit. Worship under the anointing of the Spirit. We'd expect that because we consider that to be a spiritual exercise. worship prayer and giving, all to be spirit-directed. Your witness, you need spiritual empowering so that your witness becomes supernatural witness. I, I keep coming back to the same story, and I, it's because it made such, a, such an impression on my life as a new, as a new believer. Um, I was just graduated out of Bible college, You know, Bible college graduates usually are the biggest know-alls on the planet. But you speak to them a year after graduation, you'll find that they've learned a whole lot more. Well, I had just come from my final examination, and I had done a most in-depth answer to the question of the Holy Trinity. And I was sitting with a young couple who had uh, been heavily taught and influenced by the Jehovah's Witness uh, uh, sect, and Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is divine. They do not believe uh, in in the Trinity, and um, anyway, I I, I shared with them, and I I said, well, but you know, maybe it's better if you ask me a question. If you've got any questions, I thought to myself, you know what? I've been to college. I have the knowledge, and anyway, the first question was, all right, so, where did Cain get his wife from? Now, I promise you, I have an answer. I promise you, I've got an answer to that. But I thought to myself, do you know, uh, my answer might be helpful, but it, it, you know, the, the Bible doesn't say. So I, I said, do you know what? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, next question. How can God be three in one at the same time? And I I had an answer. And e- even today after all these years I've got some very good answers to that. But do you know the way the question was put emphasizes that there is something mysterious here that while we can get a handle on it to a certain extent I mean it's very simply God is God is one being and three persons. To be a being and a person is not quite the same thing. But anyway, it, I just didn't feel right to go into that explanation. So I said, you know what? <laughs> I don't really know. And then they, then they said, we're ready. I said, ready, ready for what? Ready to give our life to Jesus. So I said, what was it about I didn't, that I didn't know that convinced you? And they said, precisely. They'd, they'd come from a group where there was an answer to everything that didn't always ring true. And, and they, they said this, we figure that if God is God, then he's gotta be a beyond certain glib explanations. He's gotta be beyond our understanding in some way. And for the first time, we've met somebody who's been prepared to admit that. And we're ready to commit our lives to Christ. Amen, amen. amen. You know, do you know what? That was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Colin Dye. Because Colin Dye, recently graduated from college with all the knowledge, would have given that knowledge to them, whether they wanted it or not, and they would have died the death of a thousand revelations. But the Spirit came and brought life. I'm so glad that the Spirit stopped me from doing what I might normally do. On other occasions, that would have been the right thing to do. You understand me? You can't predict this. It's about the Spirit who knows the secrets of people's hearts can help you and guide you if you're sensitive and led by the Spirit. Witnessing your disposition, your attitudes, your motivations, your aspiration, your temptations. Please, please allow the Holy Spirit to walk with you wherever you go because the Holy Spirit might stop you from going where you shouldn't ought to be going. Amen. You don't say, okay, Holy Spirit, you stay at home. I'm going for a walk. Go with the Holy Spirit. And when you are at that point where there are temptations beginning to overwhelm you, be spiritually minded. Ask the Holy Spirit. Don't wait until it's too late. You're in the middle of something that you can't stop. But ask the Holy Spirit to guide your steps and be aware that you are as fallible and as weak And as vulnerable to temptation now, even though you might be 50 years a believer, as you ever were, we cannot afford to be arrogant and to be complacent and to trust in our own righteousness, our own ability. Depend on the Holy Spirit and he'll bring you through. Then, of course, invite him into your life, your fellowship, your fellowship with one another. The Holy Spirit in you connects with the Holy Spirit in me. And when, we, when that happens, there is a flow of life and we're encouraging one another and, and that will be provoked to love and good deeds. And the Holy Spirit will spark off something by way of spiritual manifestation. It may be a, a manifestation of spiritual gifts. Prophecy, encouragement, miracle, it could be any of those things. But when we know the Holy Spirit lives in us and we're moving in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and in partnership with one another, there is no limit to what God can do in you and through you in the fellowship of God's people. And that then spills over into your stand for Christ outside uh, as you were. In the, in the wider community. Anyway, that's a brief survey. But let me bring it all together. Where are you struggling right now? Tell me. Well, no, don't tell me. Tell the Lord. Not that I'm not interested, but because I'm really wanting, wanting you to talk to God. Where are you struggling right now? How do you need the Spirit to help you right now? What is it? Now, it might be a need that we could call one of our second-level needs. It might be to do what we eat, what we wear, and so on. And there is a wonderful promise. We put God first, then all those things will be added. But in it all and through it all, you need the help from the Holy Spirit. So... How you answer those questions, I'll give you a clue. Shall I give you a clue? The clue is, how can I glorify God in this situation? And when you do that, the Holy Spirit shows up. Because His whole ministry is to glorify Jesus. He doesn't speak from Himself, He is representing Jesus. He has been sent by Jesus, is the gift of the Father, poured out by Jesus. And the whole thrust of the Holy Spirit's work is to focus on Jesus, to glorify Jesus. So if you feel very, very weak, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and you say, God, I want to glorify you in the situation. Boom, the Holy Spirit shows up because that's his job. He say, you call, that's my job. That's what I want to do. I will help you glorify God. Second question you can ask is a clue, is how can I reflect God to those around me in this situation? So notice I haven't asked the question, well, what do you want? I didn't ask that question. I'm sure you know. You don't need to ask that, you know. But two questions you might not readily ask. How can I glorify God in this situation? And how can I reflect God to those around you? And when you do that, the Holy Spirit shows up because he is the one who glorifies God and testifies to the world concerning who Jesus is.